Welcome to the Southern Alchemy Wellness Podcast. Southern Alchemy Wellness is a holistic wellness space and retail store devoted to the support of healthy living in the physical and virtual community. Our physical space is located at 4819 East Bush Boulevard, Suite 104. We hope that you'll come and see us here. I am your host, Tracy Person. And I am Darren Person, your co-host. And this is the Alchemy of Wellness podcast. It's the holiday season once again. And no sooner has Thanksgiving ended than we start that march toward Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Or is it? Crowds, disconnected families, soaring gift prices, travel snarls. Some people approach the holiday season with dread and others find themselves in the pits of depression. And because of that, our guest today, Dr. Brittany Harrell, is here to talk about some of the reasons people have for struggling through the holidays and what they might be able to enact in their lives to reframe the holiday challenges and promote healing. Hi, Dr. Brittany, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm so excited to be here in this space with you guys today. Great to have you. Great to have you. Yeah. How are y'all doing? Doing fine. Good. And, you know, here at Southern Alchemy, the Alchemy of Wellness, we like to be real with people. So we're going to go on record and we're going to tell people Dr. Brittany is our cousin, our blood, and our relation. So we are (laughs) super privileged. Yes. I'm so grateful that y'all thought of me. This is really an honor. So I'm excited to to talk about some things because I know a little bit of something, something. So I'm I'm excited about today's conversation. That's why we call you doctor. Tell everybody three things you want them to know about you to define yourself for the audience. That's such a three. First of all, three is an odd number. Okay. So it's hard to, because I think I'm a, a pretty expansive being, but <laughs> let's see. I am a Southern girl. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have an unhealthy love for grits. I don't know if that makes oh, sense, right. but I will never, the only reason why I put this is because I will never forget when y'all came to our house years ago and we were having fish and grits and I made the grits and Tracy, you were like, girl, these grits are so good. We should call you grit. <laughs> I don't know if you're... <laughs> And honestly, it is a goal of mine to have a food truck with grit, like a food truck for grits. Because okay. I, again, I'm a Southern girl. I love grits. So mm-hmm. like, that's like a future thing. So like, I got that name from you. So you might have to, you'll, you'll get a percentage when that's <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so that's the first thing. The other thing, I know this is more than three, but I am certainly a lover of good music. I love books and I love coffee shops. Like that is truly my vibe. And the last thing is, I love being a therapist. I really do. Hey, we don't stand on ceremony here. And I always say three is my magic number because it keeps people like, sometimes people are like, hey, I can't think of anything. And three is mm-hmm. like that nice grounded number that it doesn't seem too yeah. big. But yeah, yeah. if people got more than that, I am happy to let them <laughs> share. And I think it's important for people to know, especially when we think about therapy and like really rigid terms, like therapists are people. And a lot of times when we are seeking wisdom, uh, we forget that it's a human being that is giving Mm -hmm. us this wisdom. So thinking about you loving books and loving music and your unhealthy obsession with grits, (laughs) which put everything on top of grits. We just gonna say that. Yes. Um, (laughs) 
I think it, it will help people to know that it's a human being that's giving them this information. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what inspired you to pursue psychology? I love this question because I actually did not start off wanting to be a therapist or a psychologist. I actually wanted to be a pediatrician. So there was always something in me that wanted to help people. And I attended Prairie View A&M University in Prairie View, Texas, about an hour from from Houston. And I started off as a bio major and I, I, I knew I had common sense and I knew I was smart, but those biology classes, that was a different level of smart for me. So I ended up changing my major in second semester and I uh, changed it to psychology. And it was like an immediate feeling of, oh, this is, I like this. I like learning about people. And I would have learned the same thing in biology at some point, but it was Mm -hmm. a bit too mechanical, too sciencey for me. Um, But once I was in those psychology classes and meeting with the professors that were so passionate about us being the new generation of mental health professionals in the field was really inspiring for me. Um, and honestly, the position that I'm in now, I I don't know if I imagined it this, but I have certainly felt aligned with, like, I feel like I'm supposed to be in this moment, if that makes sense. Like nothing feels off. It feels like my my life sort of followed an unintentional guide that has got me here, if that makes sense. Yes. They always Not say that, the most high can plan for you much better than you can plan for yourself. Um, how do you see psychology as an aspect of holistic healing? So holistic healing is, is essentially like the caring of the whole person, right? Um, whether it be physical, social, mental, all of those aspects. I honestly think they coincide together. Now it does depend on the therapeutic approach that a therapist will take, but I use an aspect of holistic healing. I might not call it that, but really my focus for all of the clients that I I meet with is to cater to their whole being, right? Because some people are primarily focused with work and then their social life gets impacted or they're super social and then something else gets impacted. So I typically encourage a balanced lifestyle for anybody that comes to to meet with me. So I, I do think it is an aspect of holistic healing. I think it's just a matter of how you help clients see that. Because, you know, sometimes people hear that word. I don't know what they're thinking, right? They might think the whole woo-woo way of, of healing when it's just literally holistic, right? The whole everything. person is everything, right? Yeah. I get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Brittany, what's your favorite aspect of the therapeutic process? And also, could you define what was the most fulfilling moment in this field for you? Mm-hmm. That's a tough question, but I'll I'll narrow it down. I think, let me see. I think one of the one of my favorite experiences is is first being able to be myself. I, I'm not anybody that I'm not um, because it's important for me to to be myself that way the client can experience, even because I meet with my clients virtually, right? So like even more of a reason for me to be intentional with how I present myself to a client because in grad school, they kind of, it's a pretty antiquated way that they're teaching. And hopefully it's, it's gotten a little bit better. But from my understanding, it was a very stoic, you got to pay attention to your body position. Don't be closed. Like it felt super robotic. Uh But as I've gotten more of my own experience and now that I have my own practice, I certainly use an aspect of my personality while also still being professional. Right. Because that's important. 
Um, but that's the first thing, being able to be myself. And the other aspect is there's always a moment when a client gets it. It's like this light bulb comes on, right? And the I, I say that that's my favorite moment because the approach that I use typically is, yes, from the client's uh, viewpoint, I'm the expert, but I flip it. I say, you are the expert of your life. I'm just okay. here to help guide you on that journey. That way you build um, a, a relationship with discernment and self-trust, right? So like when they, when that light bulb goes on or goes off, like it's, it's, cause I encourage, I want you to hear your voice when you're, when you're making a decision, not mine, right? Not your mom's, not your dad's, not your cousin's, your voice when you're making a decision, right? So just seeing them connect with that autonomy, cause I say that to my clients all the time. Like, do you have a relationship with yourself? And if so, how have you been an autonomous being, right? Like, do you know that you have choices? So mm-hmm. just seeing them connect with themselves, being graceful with themselves, like that, that is a cherishable moment for me, for sure. Beautiful. And it was interesting, you talked about the antiquated nature of um, psychotherapy and how stoicism and your body position versus like really allowing the patient to have agency or the client to have agency. Um, it's very much a holistic approach. I think mm-hmm. you're not that far apart. And I do have um, very often the privilege to have a client that they both have a therapist and they're working with me mm-hmm. as a holistic healer. So, you know, we can lock hands and and um, support them in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that makes me think about the ways in which other things in the world are changing. We have so much rapid change in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what effect do you think it's having on the American populace? A lot. It's kind of hard to say. I think mm-hmm. I think social media plays a big, big factor. Um, it, I think it plays a big factor because we're kind of experiencing things at the same time but just in different parts of the world, right? So unfortunately, the geographical distance, it is apparent, but it doesn't feel apparent emotionally, right? Like you're seeing what's happening in Gaza. You're seeing all of these things happening. You're also anxious and you're supposed to to get up and go to work. You know, like you feel guilty because you don't understand the duality of life, right? You, You feel guilty. Like, how can I be joyous when somebody's going through through this, right? So I think social media plays uh, a big part. And even in the study that I conducted, which was college counselors experiences with college students reporting exposure to racial violence on social media. Mm-hmm. And even in doing my research, um, the term that was used repeatedly was secondary trauma, right? Like you're viewing something, you're not really in that space, but you're exposed right. to it. And so you you feel that PTSD like you were there, right? So I think it's a lot of secondary trauma that we're experiencing now. And it's hard to put the phone down because then you want to stay abreast of what's happening. But then you also don't know where to find your joy when you know so much is happening, really. Um, but I, I think we're we're exposed to so many things. And I I don't even want to know if, if, if it, I don't know if I want to say that it, it's it's bad, really. It's just it's kind of hard to say what to do with it. You know, well, how would you say a lot of the changes that are going on? How does it affect 
people of the African-American community. Specifically for African-Americans, especially if it's racial trauma, right? Again, it's one of those, you, you, you feel it even if you're not there, right? So then you're angry, you're sad, you don't really know what to do with the emotions, which is why I take my job so seriously, because when it's time to have those type of conversations, I'm not encouraging them to, to you can't cope your way out of racial trauma, yeah. right? Like that's not even realistic. And in fact, it's a immediate dismissal of the reality of being a black person in America, right? Um, so I think that how it affects us is is, is pretty heavy and it, it's hard to say, um, but I always try to encourage people to like, what is your level of activism, right? What is, mm -hmm. how do you still find your joy even though this is, going on where's your community how do you connect with your community of people that are also like-minded but also encourage you to to live your life right because it could be very easy to get caught in world events and like i said it's it's hard to say that it's easy to cope with because it's, it's certainly not um, i'm in a book club but i don't know if you all are familiar with the author bill hooks yeah yes absolutely love her i got exposed to her about two two three years ago and she wrote a book all about love i don't know if you're familiar yeah. with that book yeah and then the so the book club that i'm in uh we're reading um black people in love right okay. and so in one of our book club meetings one of the questions was how do we make love the default right because it's yeah. it's it's missing right survival mode is the default how do we because even in survival mode a lot of things get neglected as a result of building community right it's kind of like i got to get to the money i got to do what i got to do i don't have time it's for anything bad. else right and so i'm hoping one day that love becomes a default for everybody but specifically with us because we are in such survival mode right we don't really have the privilege to do a lot of things like our white counterparts yeah um, yeah that's that's always been my hope is because the the main re recipe that i think we're losing is community we're in a very individualistic world at this point social media plays a big factor in that as well um so my hope is that we we lead with more love <laughs> bell hooks actually inspired a whole high school curriculum that i oh, wrote wow. when i was uh teaching high school back in um like 2004 and 5. uh-huh um, because I just saw, and I'm still seeing it. And, and I, I mean, we could have you back for a whole nother show <laughs> just to talk about like the division between black men and women in the social media right Listen. now is crazy. Yes. Um, and while we want this podcast to be for everybody, like we're looking at this through a, a black lens. Absolutely. So yeah. there's, there's no way that we can't, uh, make that the predominant conversation. Um, right. I just really wanted them to understand where we came from mm -hmm. in this country in terms of the traumas of slavery and oppression and degradation. Mm -hmm. And that means that very often your healing is in the very person that traveled through that oppression with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you had mentioned, cause yes, you are correct. There is a huge divide between like black men and black women, right? Do mm -hmm. you think perhaps I'm gonna go conspiracy here. Do you think perhaps this is propaganda, right? Cause it's it's in our face 24 seven. Everybody has microphones now and everybody wants to talk about what a woman should do, what a man should do, all of that, right? So, I mean, do you think a part of it is- I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I think that this is very real. Mm, okay. <laughs> I do 
I think it is on purpose. I think that um, there has always and ever been um, a desire to destroy the Black family. And what better way to do it than to continue to put forth a platform of division. I also think even though we have our own issues that we as a community need to face, fix, heal, um, there's also, I think, a very concerted effort to make sure that white and black people are divided mm. and cannot come together. Mm -hmm. um, because at the end of the day, leading with love means that there are going to be some people who don't share your skin. Right. That have some good things for you. And there are going to be people that share your skin that absolutely are here to destroy you. Right. So like they say all skin folk ain't skin folk. Right. <laughs> so it's going to be an interesting time um, moving into 2024 mm -hmm. to see what's in store for people. Mm -hmm. um, and you're, you're making me think about just the emotional health of the country. Can mm -hmm. people who are considered emotionally healthy still get the blues? And um, can the holiday season really just set that off for some people? Oh, for sure. I think almost anybody could be emotionally healthy. I think it just depends on what you, who you are and what it looks like. I think growth and healing is 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 on a continuum, right? It it flows like a river. We we often don't know when we'll get triggered, right? So Sally could be happy majority of the year, and then when it gets in from her perspective, she's emotionally healthy because she hasn't been triggered more than likely, right? Yeah. And so the trigger might be the holidays, right? And so I, I try not to. Um, categorize, but I think almost anybody could can experience any form of the blues, especially if a person wants to have a companionship and they don't have it. And so, you know, usually during the holidays, people are with their family, they're with friends and things like that. And you see people posting matching pajamas <laughs> during the holidays, right? So I think people, sometimes the holidays ends up being a, a slowing moment of reflecting sometimes of what they don't have compared to what they've always wanted, really. So I, I, I truly think anybody can experience the the blues of, of the holidays, really. What suggestions do you have for dealing with anxieties that people are experiencing due to these rapidly changing times? And, you know, the holiday season could certainly be a trigger for that. For sure, yeah. My suggestions are, is it's a pretty short list. Uh, you have mentioned a great idea as far as emotional support from a pet, right? Um, now, you know, sometimes that's not feasible for everybody, uh, but pets are amazing. So that could be one, too. I mean, the, the easiest, I don't know if I could say it's the easiest question, but my go-to is talking to a therapist, you know, kind of having that safe space to build some coping skills, uh, have a safe space to talk through things. Um, and another one is finding community. I, I had mentioned before, we're in a pretty individualistic world and- mm -hmm. Uh, in society. And I think people feel so far away from each other because we're so focused on the grind and, and, and all of those things. And so I would say those would be my top three. Pets for sure would be one, going to talk to a therapist to learn about yourself and, and process the type of healing that you want from the therapeutic process. And um, like watching movies. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and you know what's so, what's so great about you mentioning that is, especially with clients that that have been dealing with their symptoms for a while, most of the time they know that they've experienced this symptom for a while 
and how it's impacted their life, right? And so a lot of times they ask, why? Why am I? I said, well, kind of based off of the story that you told, I think we can answer the why, right? Like at this point, I think the why might not be relevant. How can we start doing something nostalgic? And I always say maybe watching a funny show, watching a movie, trying a new recipe, going for a walk, right? Like having those simple steps, small joy. A new small joy for me is buying myself flowers. So every day when I walk into my apartment, I see these beautiful hydrangeas sitting on my counter and that just brings me joy. Coloring brings me joy, right? So it's finding the small things. And truly a lot of times people don't know what those small things are, right? Mm -hmm. And a part of that too is, is that inner child healing, right? Sometimes we think the fun stuff is supposed to be reserved for kids, right? Like watching cartoons. I watch SpongeBob sometimes, right? Like I like to entertain the childish parts of me because that gives me joy, right? So it's kind of just finding your way. and, And sometimes people don't know their way. And so it is helpful to have community and to have your private space to, to process what it is you need to process to, to move forward with your life really. Yeah. I also, um, have been buying myself flowers. Um, when we moved, I thought, you know what? I now have a space to mm-hmm. showcase these flowers and I'm going to get myself fresh flowers every week. And, yes. and one thing I noticed, uh, especially dealing with the, the blues, the holiday blues and everything, um, you know, going back on a story that I had where I actually volunteered with my church one time when I was alone during the holidays. Mm-hmm. And I found out being able to displace my feeling of loneliness to make other people feel happy during the holidays helped me in terms yes. of yes. care of Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because that is something that I encourage for people to do. Because people do get caught up in, oh, I don't have anything. But it's, if you're, if you take, if you, it's okay to distract yourself. You can go volunteer and that ultimately will fill your cup up. You have that hour or however long you want to be in that space. And you might feel a little bit better. It's not going to fix everything, but at the very least you did something versus being at home and being in your field with the, the lights turned off and that doesn't help anything. Right. Yeah. So at some point it's, it is a matter of action and, and sometimes people need that extra push um, and that's what they come to me for. And I, that's the part that I love, really. <laughs> yeah, because we can attest to that. Just recently, we did our Gather and Give Dignity Drive. And mm. we felt this is the best we felt in days. I mean, wow. just being able to get together and mm-hmm. seeing how everybody in the community just kind of came in, chipped in, volunteered, worked together. Yes. And it just, uh, you know, it was an indescribable feeling. There's so much healing in community. Like, I grew up in community playing tennis. Like, my parents made sure we were at the tennis court every day, but I, I grew up with those same kids and we're still in contact to this day. And like the way that I live my life now yeah. is community. Now I got lucky because the people that I went to college with, they stayed here. So, you know, that transition from college to adulthood, you don't mm-hmm. get the same access to people in yeah. the same way. But I wanted to still emulate what I experienced as a child, which was friendships. Right. Like I have learned that that is a huge part of my wellness, especially being a transplant, right? Like I'm not from right. Houston, I'm from Atlanta, you know? So mm-hmm. I I didn't realize it until recently, like, oh, I've surrounded myself with some really dope people. Yeah. This is my community. This this mm-hmm. this brings me joy. <laughs> and that and that becomes family in yes. its own right. So Dr. Brittany, where can our audience go to find out more about your work? Can you share your social media platforms and your blog space? Yes. So I am on TikTok. I just changed my username. What is it? Talks with Dr. B. 
so talks with an S with Dr. B. That's me on TikTok. And then my business page is Beyond Therapeutics, PLLC. That's on IG. Um, so those are my two right now. I am in the process at some point um, going to create a blog because that's super fun for me. But right now, the the TikTok is my, my virtual blog. Uh, but I do want to tap into the online blog because um, I it, it's like telling a story. Um, I do like writing. and I didn't realize that till I got a little bit older. So at some point, I'll, I'll get to that. But for right now, uh, TikTok is my my best friend. And I have some really cool people that follow me and like what I have to say. Oh, this is a great TikTok. Oh, I'm so proud of you, too. Oh, look at I'd be cursing a little bit, but it's okay. I'm grown. That concludes our episode of the Alchemy of Wellness podcast. We'd like to thank Dr. Brittany for the help of being here with us. We'd like to thank you for joining us and listening to us today. Have yes. a happy holidays. Be well.